What happens to a Kickstarter product 10 years later? When you have a great product and keep marketing to maintain momentum, your business can be hugely successful, just like our guest today. This is an entertaining interview that will give you insights on how to improve your word of mouth marketing efforts and how to find the right mentors and resources to keep you motivated and inspired all along the way. Are you looking for new ways to make your sales grow? You've tried other podcasts, but they don't seem to know. Harvest the growth potential of your product or service as we share stories and strategies that'll make your competitors nervous. Now, here's the host of the Harvest Growth Podcast, John LeClaire. Today, I'm really excited to be speaking with Andres Lagsden. He's the founder of Baking Steel. Dot com. If you are a chef of any variety, you're going to love this product, whether it's you know occasional at home or professional. He's got a line of products that are really impressive to help baking pizzas, muffins, breads, etc. We'll jump into his product. He can explain it much better than I can, but I'm really excited, Andres, to have you on the show today. Thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks, John. Love to be here. Super pumped. So tell us a little bit about baking steel. First of all, for our audience, the reference of our audience, if they haven't heard of your product before, what are steel-based baking products? That's a great question. Thanks. You know, so it's, it's a, um, I don't know if there's a lot of foodies in your audience here, but I was a, I've been a foodie my entire life and I've broken a lot of pizza stones. <laughs> so basically it's a pizza stone made out of ultra-conductive steel, goes in your oven, never breaks, but it's, it's, a, it's a thermal battery that goes inside. And one, basically once it gets hot, it stays hot. That translates into just incredible cooking at home and, and particularly pizza. <laughs> one good why, example. Anyway. Why does it work better than like a pizza? So I think a lot of people are familiar with, with pizza stones and maybe less so with using steel for that same purpose. So you sure. talked about the conductivity. What's, what is maybe the big difference between that and a pizza stone? That's a, you know, another great question. You know, I, I grew up with pizza stones. I, I yeah. use them professionally, um, personally at home. I made all my pizzas on a pizza stone and I broke a few. But, you know, that's what wood-fired ovens that have a brick floor, right? So essentially, you have a stone that goes in your oven. Uh, one, they're very light and uh, very porous. So they don't, seem to, they don't seem to work that great and take a long time to cook, okay? And so what the steel does is essentially, gets, once it gets hot, this is the main difference. They both will get to 500 degrees in a home oven. But once it gets hot, it stays hot. And... That translates into incredible cooking at, at home. And that's really it in a nutshell, the quick, the quick answer anyway. <laughs> so you, you talk about staying hot. So like, for example, if I throw in, whether it's a reg, regular oven or a home pizza oven or whatever, you throw a slab of cold dough on top of it. That's does great, that, does yeah. that cool the surface of a regular pizza it does. stone? Where, you, you it know, does. Correct. Another thing that happens when you open the oven up, right? All that, that mm. hot air escapes out. Yeah. Okay. And so, and then you, so you open your oven up. You put your room temperature or cold dough on your stone, and it, it goes from 500 to like 400 very, very fast. And it, when you close the door, it takes another five minutes just to get back up to temperature. And then the stone's going to get back up to temperature. And what yeah. we realized is that the steel, uh, once you, you, know, you open your door up, well, not so much heat is escaping out of the steel. And then when you put your dough on top of the steel, Again, not a lot of heat escape. So when you close the door, it get it bounces back, and that's like we call it the recovery time, like super fast. And especially in a home environment where if I'm going to make pizzas here today for you, John, I'm going to make pizzas in like four or five minutes, maybe three, and I could do a longer New York style for like seven minutes. But 
essentially it's half the time wow. of a pizza stone, which again, doing multiple pizzas, it's not even close as far as uh, timing wise. So we're going to save a lot of time, but then let's talk about the quality of the pies. Completely different. When you're doing that long bake, you know, a pizza stone, the first one might be okay, but the second and third pizzas, you know, if you've made pizza at home, you realize like the first one might take 10 minutes, then it goes 12, 13. Yeah, yeah, it reduces sure. each time. And the steel, it's four minutes, four minutes, four minutes. It's always just bouncing back. Huge difference. Hmm. I'll, I'll recommend to the audience, you can, you can learn more about the product at bakingsteel.com or look for them on Facebook or Instagram at baking with a space between. So two words, baking steel. And you'll see some of these photos and videos of, of I, I got to tell you, I've been salivating as I've been prepping for this interview this morning, <laughs> seeing the videos and photos you've done of not just pizzas, but breads and muffins and, and other things. It looks phenomenal. So we'll talk more about Thank Facebook you. and marketing you're doing. I, I want to jump back in the history a little bit. So one of the first yeah. things you did to really kick off or kickstart the business, no pun intended, was a Kickstarter campaign about 10 years ago. So back in 2012, that was yeah. very successful. I think you, I think you mentioned you, you, achieved your goal in the first 24 hours. Is that right? We did. Yeah. We, so it's interesting. So um, first of all, I was 44 years old. So I'm f- almost 54 now yeah. when I created this product. So it was a, a life worth of, worth of experiences that I had. You know, I worked, I grew up in restaurants and I, uh, in all different capacities, management, food, cooking, uh, you name it. And ultimately ended up with on Todd English's um, culinary team back in like Gosh, and this goes back like 20 years ago, right? And so I am um, working with Todd, but doing pizzas of all things. I'm a culinary guy. I went to culinary school. And here I am at Figs in Charlestown making pizzas. I'm like, what the heck happened here, right? But I wanted to work with Todd. That was my goal. And so I, had, I got an introduction to Todd and uh, anyway, started working the next week slinging pies. It was there that I fell in love with pizza. And I, we all did, right? We all love pizza. But as a, as, a, as a culinary person, the way Todd would produce his pizzas at Big's, like these big Roman styles with incredible toppings, and we fired them off in a brick oven. And I just fell in love with it, um, with dough and pizza, you name it, everything. And so I, I worked with Todd for a couple of years. I left his business and I was burnt out in restaurants. And if you, this is in the 90s. So if you imagine... It's the grind of a restaurant and the margins and all that. So I just kind of took a break. My dad's an entrepreneur. Um, I, I had a lunch meeting with my father and I said, hey, um, and I grew up in his business now, by the way, as, as a 10-year-old to the time I was 20 working with dad, but indifferent. He had a, was a, he's an entrepreneur, but he has got like a steel shop that makes pro- really cool products for Caterpillar, John Deere, the big guys. And I was always intrigued by it, but never thought that, hey, I'd, I'd be working there as a as an adult. But there I was, you know. Um, my brother was there. We had 20 other guys, 30 other guys, and I kind of joined his team, but more of as a marketer. And, you know, I had some life experience now, and I thought I could help grow his business. And so I've been doing that for 10, 15 years, uh, working with cat and deer and the construction industry, if you will. And it was fun, but wasn't my passion. I started, actually, this is in 2008, 2009, ironically, when we had uh, the recession. I don't know if you remember that one, but that one hit us really hard. Um, I remember driving home from work, and this is, I think, rim phone days. We didn't have the iPhones yet. Maybe they were out, but... um, And I'd be getting all these emails from Caterpillar and just reducing orders, like 
crushing us with um, yeah. orders and tightening our quality, rejecting parts. I'm like, what the F is going on here? And so <clears throat> I, um, you know, a, a year or two of this, basically, it was a grind, right? And I just, I said to myself, man, like, I enjoyed working with my family, but I had no control over what was going on. You know, we yeah. essentially went from an $8 million business to a $4 million business inside a year and a half without losing one customer. And yeah, you can cut expenses, but that's a tough, that's a tough one, right? Yeah, um, yeah. But we obviously we managed my dad's crafty too, and we we got we fought through it. But I started doing some reading and internal searching. I've got I now at this point I've got a four year old at home. I'm like, man, that sucked. Like, yeah, life got life has to be more than this. Like, it's got to be more. So I didn't want I didn't want some outside corporation, Caterpillar or whatever, dictating my life. And so I kind of just did some soul searching and did a lot of reading, a lot of yoga, and just trying to figure out like, what, what can I do? You know, what am I passionate about? And, you know, I, I, 2011, I'm reading the Wall Street Journal, and I'm reading about the launch of this new cookbook called The Modernist Cuisine, the, the chief technology officer of Microsoft, who retired Microsoft for a few billion reasons. Your listeners can figure that one out. Uh, Nathan <laughs> Mirvold. <laughs> and uh, so he, he wrote this new cookbook. He's a classically trained French chef. Fascinating, right? So he's launching this new book called The Modernist Cuisine. So the Wall Street Journal is just kind of promoting the book. As a foodie, I'm like, wow, this is super fascinating. Uh, five volumes, 600 bucks for a cookbook. <laughs> just nuts, right? And so inside of his book, though, because he's a scientist, is a, just a deep investigation into the physics, the math, and the science of cooking. So I'm reading about it. I'm like, oh, this is cool. And, you know, I'm not going to buy the thing, right? <laughs> it's 600 bucks. But and anyway, they talk about pizza. And we remember I, I learned about pizza with Todd. And I have all of Todd's recipes at home. I recreate them. They were decent in a home environment on a pizza stone, but not nearly what they would be yeah, in a wood-fired yeah. oven. So in any case, I, uh, the third question that the, the Wall Street Journal asked Nathan was how to create a Neapolitan-style pizza at home. So as you can imagine, my eyeballs are now bulging out. I have the goosebumps. I'm like, how do you do it, Mr. Scientist? And he literally said to Google your local steel shop and cut out some steel for a shelf. Huh. I'm like, holy fuck. Like, and it dawned on me. I'm like, what? Like, that totally makes sense, right? And so what I, um, I ran out to my plant. I grabbed some steel and I brought it home. I have, a, again, a five-year-old son, four-year-old son at the time. And my computer bag and my steel kind of rusted up. My wife's like, what are you doing with that piece of steel? And I said, I'm making pizza this weekend. And she said, I'm not eating it if you're making it on that piece of steel. But in any case, fast forward to Sunday, I made pizza. And if anybody makes pizza at home, we struggle with the soggy crust. Well, I timed this thing with seven minutes. My first pie, it was a fig style. It was crispy on the bottom. It was unbelievable. Sorry about that. I don't know why that's going off. Um, unbelievable. So I had a crispy crust pizza and in like seven minutes, a new product was born. <laughs> I went back to my plant on Monday morning, told my brother and my father to sit down. I got a new product. I told them what it was. They told me to just go back to my office <laughs> as you can imagine. So that, there you go. I, I, uh, that was the, the birth of the baking steel. Um, 
I sat on it for a year and I don't know if anybody out there has got ideas. Yeah. It's tough to bring them to life. It's, it's, it, it, so many different things go on in your brain. One, what if no one likes it? <laughs> right. Um, I loved it. I got my first reactions from my family was like, that's cool. But like we, we make, we, we make products for Caterpillar and John Deere and JCB and New Holland. What are you, what are you thinking? How are you going to sell this thing? So I was, I'm like, you're right. What am I doing? I'm nuts. So I forgot about it for an entire year. Didn't do a thing with it. Horrified. Um, but anyway, I, 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 um, cue the Rocky music. I, um, I started, I started doing some more reading and digging and this idea just wouldn't go away. So I started making some and I started making them and give making prototypes and sending them out to friends say, Hey, try these things out. Tell me, tell me what you think. And I was getting incredible feedback. I'm like, Holy shit. Maybe we got something here. Sorry for the language. I, um, I, uh, in any case, so I started making and I started getting this feedback. And so I'm like, great. Let's sell them. I can sell 50 of these things a month somehow. I can figure that out, right? And so there I was. I, I heard of Kickstarter. I, I applied. I got accepted. I was trying to raise $3,000, which is diminished. It's small, right? But yeah, yeah. My, once you make your target on Kickstarter, you're on there forever. And so I knew that. So I was being very um, modest with my goal. And I just figured I could hit three grand. I could sell 100 units hit three grand yeah. and then I'm off to the races. And so that, that's, that's how we got to that point. And we hit three grand in 24 hours, uh, fast track to the end of the 30 days, we raised $38,000. We um, pre-sold about 500 units. I was blown away and um, it changed my life. And you know, the good news is that we're manufacturers. We were able to make those pretty quick in a few months and um, we hit our target on Kickstarter, which, which is a big deal. I'm still sitting on some projects that I bought on Kickstarter that I never yeah. received. So yeah, we were able yeah. to satisfy that pretty quick because that's that was our our strength um, manufacturing. And uh, I had a million dollars worth of equipment that could make this thing, right? That we we use for Caterpillar parts and yeah. John Deere. And so there you go. That was the story. Um, <laughs> and, you know, that was, the rest is history. That was from that was from day one. You know, so. You, you know, have an idea. Just go yeah, for it. We're, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's great advice. And, and so often we do sit on our ideas, right? And I, I, I'd love to probe down a little bit further, kind of yeah. post Kickstarter, because I, you know, I've interviewed so many people and, and worked with so many people over the years that they start that, and it's okay. You have a success on Kickstarter, and some raise several hundred thousand dollars in Kickstarter. But then what's next, right? Because it's it's a different <laughs> beast, question. right? But it's it's a great place to start. But Okay. How did you, so what was your first, I guess, successful step outside of Kickstarter? So once you had that successful launch, what was the next thing that really propelled your growth to now, you know, now it's 10 years later, you know, a super yeah. successful business. That's a great question. And I remember, you know, I was horrified going on Kickstarter by the way. I was yeah. horror petrified. And I, I was like, what if no one likes this thing? Now I'm like a, a bozo, right? And everyone's going to just... <laughs> Fast track. I got through that. I, I hit the go button and we made it. And literally it was like th midway through Kickstarter. Now we had to revamp our website just to kind of put this product on there, more like brochureware at the time. Um, but we're midway through the Kickstarter and the guy that helped me do that is like, hey, guess what? Like you might have something here. We need to create a website yeah. to take orders pre-orders. And I'm like, this is like two weeks into my Kickstarter. <laughs> this is like, so I'm like, 
good idea. So, you know, we had a, that was the first step. How do you, cause now Kickstarter is over. We have 500 units to f- fulfill, but there's still some excitement. There's people that want this thing that haven't ordered yet on Kickstarter. That, so we had to satisfy that pretty quick. So we built a website on WordPress t- together and um, got that kind of going. That was a story in itself, but that was the first thing. Let's, let's make sure we can uh, yeah. satisfy yeah. new orders that come in and capture that information, right? So again, this is 2012 when there's no Shopify, there's no Squarespace, right? <laughs> you're on your own trying to do this stuff. So that's where we were. That's awesome. And and as I look at your business now, you know, I, I look at your, as I mentioned early on in our interview, salivating over your Facebook ads, et cetera. What, what's working today? So now fast forward 10 years, what do you find that, that drives the most growth or the most revenues for your business? That's a great question. And again, and, and um, it's probably the same thing that I did from day one, you know, word of mouth. I mean, it's changed dramatically over the like 10 years I've been doing this. My, my marketing genius um, even during Kickstarter was, and, I, and I'm fortunate, by the way, I had, a, I had a, a family business behind me to do this, right? I was kind of doing a side hustle inside the business. Uh, yeah. And they were supportive of this, by the way. After that initial conversation with them, they were pumped up. You know, they were like, this is great. Like, let's, we can make these things. Um, but I was, um, the, the, the genius there was just giving the product away. Uh, that was my intuition. Like if John, you had called me and said, Hey, I'm a foodie. I, what is this thing? I would send you one. I didn't. So I was yeah, basically yeah. doing influencer marketing before it was a thing. I was just kind of handing out product and uh, I got some big names because the pizza world, uh, the home pizza making world, as we know, has exploded over the years, but it exploded because there's the demand for it. You know, we're trying to solve a riddle. We're trying to solve a problem. And making pizza at home has been a challenge. Yeah. But now, I mean, it's amazing what you can create in a home environment. In fact, it's, it's, it's as good as, or if not better than some wood-fired ovens that you can produce. So it's awesome. Yeah, it makes, it makes a big difference. It's great. The te- technology has certainly changed over the years in a good way. Yes, so, oh, big time. So do you have have any resources that you recommend, things like books or podcasts or conferences that have been helpful for you and your business growth? Man, yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I do anything and all things Tony Robbins. Um, He's for my mind. I I feel like, you know, entrepreneurship is a lonely world. And the number one thing we got to do is we got to ask ourselves the right questions 24-7. You cannot get down. You always have to be optimistic. You always have to be asking yourself the right questions. Uh, the the obvious answer too, that, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk. Uh, read, I read Crush It when I first started out, and yep. gave me the confidence that if you you know niche down and really get focused on what you're trying to do, you know, you could you could sell anything. He he talked about Smurfs in his book Crush It. Um, yeah. Which kind of said, oh, if you can smell surfs, I can sell a, I can, I can sell something that makes pizza at home, and uh, yeah, right, and then educating, right, and then just educating. My whole, my whole sales thing is not is not sales; it's education and solving the riddle of how to make pizza at home. Um, I feel as though I can help anybody do that, and if you're passionate about it, you can make pizza like a rock star in just a few yeah. short days. That's a big thing. 
Yeah, very true. I, I love, you know, I asked this question in most of my interviews of you know, resources. I love how you phrased it. He's for my mind, right? So Tony Robbins, whether it's Gary Vee and, you know, not, not every resource is going to be, it worked for you. It may not work for somebody else. Some people may resonate with Tony Robbins, others won't, but I like, I like, like how you phrased it. Like you got to find the connection, whether that's a person or podcast or videos or whatever it is that connects with you, right? That meets your Big needs, time. whatever's going to keep you up. Cause it is hard. Right. It's it's hard running a business and you've got to have something that that helps you raise up or helps, you know, you raise yourself up, whatever it might be, you know, mentally in terms of happens in down days and difficult times, et cetera. So finding that connection. Oh, yeah. He's from he's from my mind. I wrote that down. I like, I like the way you phrased that. It's great. Well, is there anything, Anders, that I didn't ask in this interview you think would be helpful for our audience? Um, you know, yeah. Number one priority, to be honest, is, is to take care of yourself first. You've got to take care of your body, your mind. Uh, that's, that's, I, we have it backwards. You know, the education system in our, in our world, in our country yeah. is just backwards. You know, the number one thing is happiness and, and being kind yeah. and taking care of yourself. You do those things, you know, and um, challenge yourself every day and just keep working hard and be consistent. Amazing things will happen. No doubt. Great advice. Well, I want to encourage our audience, please go visit, support Anderson and his business by visiting his website, bakingsteel.com. He's been kind enough to share a discount code. So if you use Harvest Growth, all one word, he'll give you a 15% discount off of any product on their website. So again, check out their site, bakingsteel.com at a minimum to see the cool recipes and videos and photos that they've done. And like I said, you're going to leave that website or their Facebook page salivating for more for sure. Um, and <laughs> I, so. I, I, I love it. I do, yeah, for sure. I do want to mention to our, our audience as well. Please be sure to check out harvestgrowth.com. If you like this episode, you'll see other episodes we've recorded. And if you want to learn more about how you can profitably grow your consumer product business, please be sure to subscribe to our show and leave us a review. Hey, Anders, I really appreciate it. Thanks again for your time today. Hey, thank you, John. Grateful to be here.